July the 8th, 2010, okay, um, the second best basketball player to have ever lived, LeBron James. Um, I have opinions on who the first is, okay. Um, his name's Michael Jordan. But <laughs> the second best basketball player to have ever lived um, publicly announced his where he was going to spend the future of his professional basketball um, career. Okay, and the announcement was one that was much anticipated. Um, I don't know if you follow sports, but he was a free agent, and so you know everybody knew something was going to happen. Uh, and, and it was such an anticipated announcement that ESPN actually ran an hour and fifteen minute special called "The Decision," um, and uh, it, about thirty minutes into that uh, program. Um, 13 million people were tuned in to watch LeBron James announce that he was going to take his talents to South Beach and join the Miami Heat because he was unable to win a title on his own in Cleveland. Um, he had to go join up with the super team to do it, right? Because he's not Michael Jordan, okay? Just saying. Um, anyways, all right, uh, if you were like, here's, I'd, even if you weren't tuned into sports in that time, like if you had a TV or a smartphone, or access to a radio, or the internet, like there's a good chance you saw something about the decision, okay, whether you were trying to or not, okay? Now, I want you to contrast that, okay, that announcement of where he was going to spend, you know, the next however many years of his professional career, contrast that with the public announcement of the birth of Jesus, Right? Jesus' advent or his arrival had been anticipated for uh, not just a few years leading up to free agency, but, but for thousands of years. Right? As early as Genesis chapter 3, uh, Adam and Eve, right, they take, they eat of the fruit, sin enters the world, and, and not too many moments after that, right, God shows up and he announces, hey, there's going to be uh, the offspring of the woman born, and, and he's going to crush the head of the serpent. Okay, so you got the earliest announcement of there's going to be one who's going to come, and he's going to save Israel. All right, and all throughout the Old Testament, they heard about this promised Messiah, this one who was going to come and, and save Israel from its oppressors. And so for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, uh, this announcement had been, had been waited for. Okay. And, and there's hints and there's whispers of all this that was to come. And then, and then finally, right, on the pages of uh, Luke's gospel, in Luke chapter 2, the verses we just read, is, is the first sort of public announcement of the birth of this long-awaited Messiah. Okay, the, the angels had told uh, Mary and Joseph what was going to happen, but, but here's kind of the first we see that... that uh, someone outside of the immediate family gets word of what's going on. Okay, so let me read it again. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. This will be very familiar if you know Charlie Brown Christmas. It says, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, 
I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So the first public announcement of the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior who is Christ the Lord, came to a ragtag group of shepherds right, on a dark hillside just outside of Jerusalem. Okay, and I don't know like, what comes to your mind when you hear of shepherds. Right? Maybe, you, maybe you think of um, David, right, the shepherd boy who killed Goliath. Maybe you think of, um, I, I don't know, maybe you think of Jesus talking about how he is the good shepherd. Okay? Right, if you watched the game last night, maybe you think of Reed, shepherd. Okay? Some of you got that. Some of you are like, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, I know who my sports fans are. Right, I don't know what comes to mind when you think of shepherds, but, but I would be willing to bet that whatever comes to your mind is a little more romanticized than what sh- the first century shepherds like, actually were, like who they were. Okay? Because first century shepherds were not thought very highly of by the rest of society. Okay, because of their, um, their profession, they were considered to be uh, unclean. And, and, I, and I don't mean, like, they probably were, like, physically unclean, right? They're hanging out with sheep, okay? Uh, sheep have a, they got, like, they got a stank on them, okay? And so I'm imagining shepherds actually were physically unclean, but I'm talking, like, ceremonially unclean according to the Old Testament law, right? They're hanging out with these sheep. They, because they're having to take care of the sheep uh, day and night, like, they don't get to participate in... Uh, the temple ceremonies, and so uh, they were actually really considered by many to be, at the very least, sort of far off from God because they couldn't participate in temple sacrifices and worship and all that. Although, ironically, they were taking care of the sheep that most likely would be purchased and used in the temple sacrifices, uh, but because they couldn't participate, they were considered to be unclean, right? far off from God, if not cut off from him, Entirely. Okay, they were, shepherds were so despised that it, this kind of in this society that uh, they, they uh, could not testify in courts of law. Their testimonies were considered to be unreliable, untrustworthy, and, and therefore not permissible in any sort of legal disputes. Okay, uh, so, so when we talk about first century shepherds, we're talking like social outcast. Whoever comes to your mind uh, in this day and age, when you think of like people on the fringes of society, like that was the shepherds, right? And, and yet the creator of the universe, when he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to announce the good news of the birth of my son, the savior of the world, right? Who did he choose? Not kings, not rulers, not the politically powerful, right? not the wealthy, not influencers, not the, the who's who of first century Jerusalem, not even, not even like the religious leaders or the religiously elite people of the day. Right? He, the creator of the universe, looked down on the most despised, rejected, outcast group of people and said... Those are my guys. That's who's going to get the the good news of great joy that I'm about to give. Okay, and and, and here's a little conjecture. 
Okay, but I, I imagine God like wrangles up you know, this host of angels and he's like, all right, we have an announcement to make, guys. I need you to go to the shepherds, tell them what's going on. Okay, then you got the angels sort of gathered around the throne. And, and I, again, conjecture, but I imagine maybe they're like, those guys? Like, is that, is that our plan? And God's like, yes. Stop flapping your wings and go. Okay, and so, and so like the first angel shows up on the scene, right? That's what we just read. The angel of the Lord shows up and he's accompanied by, it says, the glory of the Lord. I don't, I don't know what that is. I don't know what that looks like. I imagine it would be terrifying based on what we, we see here, right? But, but in that moment, the, the angel shows up surrounded with the, the glory of the Lord. And in that moment, these shepherds become like keenly aware of just how unworthy they really are. Okay? They're surrounded by the glory of the Lord. And, and, and when you come face to face with the glory of the Lord, you can't help but see just how unworthy you really are. Okay? They're, they're far more unworthy than society even gives them credit for. Okay? And so they, like, they do what all of us would do if we were to be surrounded by the glory of the Lord. If, if like the angel of the Lord and the host of armies or a host of angels showed up this morning, like they do what we all would do. They, they're terrified. It says that they were filled with great fear. Okay? But, but then like no sooner than they like express their fear, fall down on their faces in fear, the angel uh, alleviates those fears with the announcement that changed the world forever. Verse 10, the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. In other words, don't be afraid. I have good news for you. Yes, even you shepherds. In fact, I have good news for the whole world. Right? I have good news of great joy, the greatest joy you've ever known, the greatest joy the world will ever know. Right? That the long-awaited Messiah, the ones that you've the one that you've heard about for years and years and years that your ancestors have talked about and they've waited for, he's here. He's arrived. So I want to think about what's happened here. The, the announcement of the Savior of the world, the one who had come to save Israel from its oppressors, from its greatest oppressor, sin. Right, the announcement of his birth came to the most unlikely, most unworthy group of people imaginable. Because that's who Jesus came for. The unworthy, undeserving people. Right? People like us. Right? And it says this good news of great joy is for all people. Okay, we're going to do a little language study here. Okay, you know the Bible's written in multiple languages. Most of the New Testament written in Greek. Okay, you know what the Greek word for all is here? All. All people. Good news of great joy for all people. Okay? So it's good news for like everyone, everywhere. 
The good news of Jesus, the good news of the birth of the Savior, it's not that Jesus came to kind of help people who mostly had their acts together. They just need a little help to get across the finish line. That's not who Jesus came for. Okay? Jesus came for all types of people. Right? He came for addicts. He came for abusers. He came for adulterers. He came for drunkards. He came for idolaters. He came for the sexually immoral and promiscuous. He came for Democrats. He came for Republicans. Right? He came for whoever comes to your mind when you think like the worst of sinners. That's who Jesus came for. Which includes us. Right? The, the worst of sinners. Right? Unworthy, undeserving men, women, children who fall well short of the glory of God. Right? That, that's the good news of great joy these shepherds received. That, that Christ had come to save sinners. Right? That's the good news for you this morning, that Jesus Christ has come to save sinners. Right? So you got some sin and brokenness in your past? Perfect. Right? You got some sin and brokenness in your present? Excellent. That means you're qualified to receive the good news of great joy that Jesus Christ came to save sinners. Okay, now... So the shepherds like receive this announcement, okay? But but they there's more to the story than that. Like they don't just receive it, right? They they hear this announcement from the angel that there's good news of great joy that in the city of David Christ the Savior has been born, and not only do they hear it and know it, right? But they believe it enough to go experience it for themselves. Right? That's what we see in verse 15. It says, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. The shepherds heard the announcement, birth of the Savior was made known to them, but, but they wanted more than just sort of head knowledge of an event on a calendar. They wanted to, to experience that for themselves. Okay, because like we all know this to be true. It, to, to know something, like factually or intellectually or in our mind, like it's, it's one thing to know something, it's something completely different to experience it for yourself. Right, think about uh, how many, show of hands, anybody ever been to the Grand Canyon? Okay. So it, it's, it's one thing to know how many square miles the Grand Canyon covers. It's another thing to stand in front of the Grand Canyon and be like, whoa. Right, what about Niagara Falls? Anybody been to Niagara Falls? Right, it's, it's one thing to, you know, be able to, to quote facts about how many gallons of water like rush over Niagara Falls every second. It's another thing entirely to like stand there and hear and feel the thunder of Niagara Falls and the mist against your, your skin, right? It, it's two different things to, to know something and to experience it for yourself, okay? And the, the shepherds, right, they, they heard the announcement, but they wanted to go see it. They wanted to go experience it. 
Right? In the same way, it's, it's one thing to sort of factually, intellectually, academically know that Jesus is the Savior. Right? It's, it's one thing to be able to give all the right answers to all the, the Sunday school questions, uh, bonus points, if you can like open to that page of your Bible and point to where the answer is. It's one thing to know that. And that's a good and right thing to know that. But, but it's something else entirely different to actually experience firsthand for yourself the grace and mercy that Jesus extends to sinful men and women. Right? It, it's one thing to, to know that Jesus Christ saves sinners. It's another thing to, to, to experience what it's like to be a sinner whose sin is forgiven because you've repented of it and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Those are, those are two different things. Okay? Right? This was the, the posture of the shepherd's heart. It, it wasn't enough to just sort of learn about Jesus, the Savior. It wasn't enough to just sort of know or, or hear about this good news of great joy. Like They wanted to lean into it. We want to go see this. We want to go experience it. We want to know what this is all about. Right? We, we want to get us some of this good news of great joy. Okay, and so that's, that's what they did. So I want you to notice there's a progression here. Right? There's a receiving good news of great joy. There's an experience of this good news of great joy. Okay, but then there's, there's still one more step in the progression. Look at, back at verse 16 again in the verses that follow. It says, And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Right? If, if you and I, if you and I were to go and have coffee this week or uh, have lunch and, and there was no agenda, no like, specific thing we were supposed to talk about. We just sat and we just talked. Here's what would happen. At some point in that conversation, we, we would be able to identify the things that, that bring each of us joy. Right? Because you can't help but talk about the things that bring you joy. Right? That, like, think of the, the conversations you have where there's, like, there's no agenda. Almost always, that conversation leads to something that brings you some sense of, of, of joy, right? It may be, right, it may be our, our children, right? We, we talk about our children. We talk about uh, our favorite meals at our favorite restaurants. We talk about uh, our favorite music that we listen to. We talk about Kentucky beating Louisville. We talk about, right, we just, whatever it is that brings us joy, like it just comes out like we can't help but talk about the things that stir our affections like it's human nature okay and so I, I would to that end I would go so far as to say like we're talking about joy here good news of great joy I would submit to you that joy is not complete until it is proclaimed right because listen when you experience something that like affects you at a deep like don't you just want to tell somebody about it like when you hear like a great song, you're like, I've got to show this to someone. Maybe that's just me. 
Okay, Kelly gets probably tired of me being like, you've got to listen to this song. It's amazing. Uh, and we don't always share the same music taste, so she's kind of like, yeah, that's, that's great. That's really something. Um, but like, like when you experience something that like stirs your affections and your emotions and brings you like a deep sense of joy, you can't help but want to share it with others. Right? And, and that's exactly what happens here with these shepherds. Right? They... They received this announcement, this good news of the birth of this long-awaited Messiah. They went and experienced it for themselves. And then once they got a glimpse of that sort of joy that the angel promised, they couldn't help but talk about it. It's what the text says. It says, They made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. Right, the, the, if you think about it this way, the shepherds were some of the earliest evangelists of the New Testament. Okay, meaning, like these are some of the, the very first heralds of the good news of Jesus in, in the New Testament. Okay, before John the Baptist showed up to prepare the way of the Lord, before the disciples went and, and were witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth, before Paul showed up and uh, started preaching the gospel and planting churches all over the Mediterranean rim, before any of that, there was a group of unlikely, unsuspecting, unworthy, undeserving shepherds that were walking around telling anyone and everyone who would listen that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, was born in the city of David. Right? It, was, it was a shoddy group of shepherds right, that took the angel at his words like they had a, a personal encounter with Jesus even in his infant form. Right? They experienced the kind of joy that only Jesus gives and they, they left and told everyone who would listen to them. Because that's what happens when things bring us joy. Like We can't help but talk about it. I think it's fascinating that, like I said earlier, uh, the shepherd's testimony in, like, was not even permissible in a court of law. And yet, God chose these shepherds to give testimony to the birth of his son, to, to, the, to the weary and waiting world around them. And, and th- listen, that's what God does. Right? He constantly, constantly takes the things that are weak and foolish in the world to confound and, and shame that which is strong and wise. Right? That's, that's what God does because that's how God gets the glory. Right? God doesn't, doesn't need the rich, powerful, famous, elite. Right? He, he takes the, the lowliest group like the, you take the, the social hierarchy of first century Jerusalem, shepherds were way down here, and God's like, those are my guys. And he uses them to announce the good news of the birth of the Savior of the world. Okay, but here's, here's what I want you to see. The shepherds weren't just consumers of this good news of great joy. Right? They, they weren't just consumers. They were, they were conduits. You know what I mean by like a conduit, something that takes 
something from one source all the way to another source. Like, that's what the shepherds were. Like, they didn't, they didn't experience the birth of the Savior and, and, and then kind of turn inward to one another and be like, man, that was really something, wasn't it? That was, that was amazing. You know, let's just, let's just hang on to that. No, they, they said, man, this is, this is great stuff. And because this is great stuff, because this is life-changing stuff, we can't not talk about it. Like, we've got to share this good news. We've got to invite other people to experience the same joy that we've found. Right? Because joy is not complete until it is proclaimed. Right? So, so to you, here, here's what I would say. If you have experienced for yourself the, the grace and the mercy of Jesus, if you've, if you've experienced firsthand the joy that comes from knowing that your sin has been forgiven fully, finally, and forever, I mean, you have good news to share. Right? You have really good news to share. Okay, and, and listen, you don't, the shepherds were the ones that were entrusted with this good news. In other words, you, you don't have to have all the answers to share good news of great joy. You don't, you don't have to be able to ruthlessly defend every aspect of the faith. Right? You don't have to be able to cite scripture from memory. You don't have to have a, a clean background or a clean record. Like you don't have to have any of those things. Here's what you need. If you've had an encounter with Jesus, right, if your sin has been forgiven, if you've experienced the, the joy that only Jesus can give, then you've got everything you need to be a conduit of good news, of great joy to the weary world around you. You've got everything you need. Okay, so, so to bring, kind of bring all this together, right, the the progression, right? That the shepherds received this good news of great joy. They, they stepped into it. They experienced it for themselves. And then they proclaimed it outward to others. And, and so here's my question to you is, where are you in that process? Hey, where are you in that process? Right, at the very least... All of us in here have received the good news. Right? I, I've said it multiple times this morning, but just in case anybody's missed it, here's, here's the good news of great joy. Right? That Jesus Christ came to save unworthy, undeserving sinners like you and like me. So we've all received that. We all know that to be true. Okay, you, you, there's the announcement. That's the good news. Okay? So we've all heard it, received it, but, but have you experienced that for yourself? Have, have you repented, or, or that word just means turned, have you, have you turned from your sin? Have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ as the only sufficient payment for your sin? Right? Have you like grabbed on with two hands the, to, the, to the joy that comes from knowing Jesus as Savior? From experiencing Jesus as Savior? 
Have you experienced the, the kindness of Jesus and that he moves towards you in grace and mercy if, if you would trust him? Have you experienced that for yourself this morning? Because if you haven't, like it's available to you today. Like, like it is. Right? Here in just a minute, we're going to sing a song, and there's going to be a time of response. And, and you can come down front. We'd love to talk to you more about this, pray with you, pull me aside after service, right? Turn to somebody around you and be like, I want to experience that today. Like it's available to you today. Okay? So have you experienced it for yourself? And then, and then finally, for those of us in the room that have experienced it, right? like, we can, like, like we've experienced firsthand what it is to be forgiven, to, to receive the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. For those of us that, that know that, we've experienced that, is that joy overflowing in such a way that invites others to experience it for themselves. Right? The joy, David calls it the joy of your salvation in Psalm 51. Right? In that moment, David's repenting of, of his pretty grievous sin. Okay? And in that he says, God, restore to me the joy of my salvation. If you've experienced the joy of salvation... Is that joy overflowing in such a way that, that like others are invited to experience it for themselves? Or the, the people that you interact with and the places, again, that you live and you work and you play, do, do they know that this good news of great joy really is available to all people and all people includes them? Right, listen, because here's the reality. Cultural Christianity, this kind of idea that everybody's a Christian because we live in a Christian country, like that's out the door. If not entirely, it's just about on its way out. And so if, and if, if we, those who have received and experienced this joy for ourselves, if, if we're not proclaiming it to a weary world around us, then who else is going to? All right, and so here's what we're going to do to, to kind of close our time together this morning. One of the sort of aims of preaching is to uh, sort, sort of match the tone of the text. Okay, and, and this is a text that's it's joy, right? It's celebration. It's, hey, there's, there's good news here. Okay, and so we're going we're gonna to try to match that this morning. Uh, respond in... Just the way that the text would kind of prompt us to respond. And, and we see that response in verse 20. Okay, because here's, here's what we see. The shepherds received the good news. They experienced it for themselves. They proclaimed it to others. And here's how uh, their portion of the story ends in verse 20. It says, and the shepherds returned. Right? They, they went back to what they were doing before. But they returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Okay, and so that's how we're going to respond this morning. All right, we're going to glorify and praise and worship God for sending his son to save us from our sin. Okay?
So I'm going to go and invite you to stand with me. The band's going to come up. They're going to, here's what's going to happen. They're going to lead us in a song, and it's going to be a song that, that you should know, right? Joy to the world, right? Because this is a message of joy. So we're going to, we're going to sing, okay? We're going to, we're going to glorify, worship, praise God. Uh, I'm, I'm going to pray for us. And then, man, if you would like to know more about experiencing this joy for yourself, we'd love, would absolutely love to share that with you, okay? So let's pray together. Father, we come to you this morning. Um, like the shepherds, the least likely, undeserving, unworthy people. Lord, we, we confess we uh, are broken. We confess we, um, Lord, our, our lives are marred by sin. And, and so, Lord, we thank you for the good news that Savior is born. We thank you for the good news that Jesus Christ came to save sinners. And so, Father, my, my prayer this morning is, Lord, that knowing that we've all heard that this morning, my, my prayer is that, uh, if there's any here in this room that, that for them that's just head knowledge, they've never experienced it, I, I pray that you would, Lord, by your Spirit, lead them to experience that for themselves, to, to lay hold of the good news of great joy that you've made available to us in the sending of your Son. And then, Father, for those of us in this room that, that we have experienced that, we can, we can maybe go back to a a point in time or a, uh, just a, a moment in our lives where we, we know without, a, like, w- without any doubt that we've put our faith and trust in Jesus. I pray that you would restore that joy to us. I, I know how, how life is, right? You, we can have these sort of like amazing experiences and then just over time, they just sort of fade. And the reality is, Lord, if if we have put our trust in you, Father, our sin is forgiven. All of it, fully, finally, forever. We are no longer separated. We are no longer alienated from you. We have been restored into a relationship with you. We have the promise that one day we will get to spend eternity with you and experience fullness of joy, the kind of joy that we can't even comprehend right now. And so, Father, for those of us in this room that have experienced that, to whatever degree that's maybe faded. I pray that you would restore that joy to us in such a way that we could not help but speak of that joy to others. That we could not help but share the good news of great joy that is for all people. So Lord, would you give us eyes to see the people around us, the the weary world around us, would you give us eyes to, to see where we might, we might be able to share a bit of good news. We might be able to share uh, a bit of joy. We might be able to share the gospel so that others might experience the joy that we found. So Father, I trust that your spirit would work now, that you would prompt us in whatever way you, you see fit, Lord, whether to to move us to experience your goodness and grace for the first time, or maybe just to be reminded of it all over again. So Father, we ask that you would work. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.